Hello and welcome to the PHBC Pastors Podcast, where we seek to bring biblical and pastoral insight to everyday issues for the people of PHBC. I'm Brian. And I can verify that is a fact. His name is Brian. Yes. Verified. Is that like on Twitter when you get the little blue check mark next to your name? Well, if somebody's popular as you, you probably do have a little verified mark on Twitter. I, honestly, I, would, I wouldn't know. I don't get on Twitter that much. I honestly don't know if I've ever posted anything on Twitter that's not liking things that's like a cute puppy or a, an astute theological point. That's about it. Fair enough. <laughs> um, we are uh, beginning to uh, come to a close on our spring systematic theology introduction. Uh, we got what's, what's, what's that I hear right now? Birds chirping? No, wailing of people. Oh, we, they're, 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 I don't know if you're going many, many thousands of spring. Our many thousands of listeners are wailing that this yeah. is coming to an end, systematic well, theology. I've really enjoyed it. Um, this has been super helpful. So if you haven't checked out the previous weeks, do so now. But today, we're talking about the church. Uh, important subject, a necessary subject, a very uh, good subject to talk about. So let's... Let's start big and then get into some particularities. Pastor Brian, what is the church? So, do you mean by church, when you say big, do you mean like the universal church? Is that where you're trying to go at? That's exactly where I'm trying to go. Look at that guy. So, the church would be the collection of, of the redeemed from all time. So, of those who have trusted in Christ and been, uh, been, uh, redeemed. So, from, from the time yeah, so for all time and eternity, that's the church. There you go. God's, God's people. So now, what our church is? Church is our local manifestations of that. And so Potomac Heights Baptist Church happens to be one manifestation of that church. Um, I think the word church appears somewhere 103, 104, maybe it's 109. Somewhere it's right in the low hundreds in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And the vast, vast majority of those instances of the word church are referring to local churches. Um, there are a couple of occasions where where Jesus is talking about, uh, or Paul rather, is talking about the universal church. That's in Ephesians, for example, a couple mm-hmm. times where he talks about the universal church. But very uh, clearly distinct in those, and the norm is... Nor- the norm is when you see the word church, um, the word is ekklesia. Ooh. Uh, ooh, a little Greek for us today, which means the uh, those who have been called out, literally is what it means, so it's the gathering mm. um, of God's people. It's a local gathering. So we typically, when we talk about church, we talk about the local gathering, which is, of course, to be distinguished from the building that the yes. church meets in. So the build. So we often say we're going to church, which we all understand in our common vernacular that what we mean by going to church. But in in you know, biblically speaking, technically, that's not correct. We we are the church, yeah. um, and so we're going to gather together as a church. Mm. Um, but we understand what we mean when we say we're going to church, and for, so that's that's not worth splitting hairs over that, as long as we understand that the building itself is not the church; it's the people. Yeah. Like that old children saying, you know, here, <laughs> "Here's what is here's the church, here's, here's the, the steeple. steeple. Open the doors and see all the people." Yeah, you do that. They so, do the hand thing as yeah, well. Do the so. hand thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's that's super helpful. Um, how do I get into a church? Because, as you so rightly said, it's not the building, so it's not simply a matter of driving, opening a door, and sitting in a seat. Um, how do I become a part of a, cho- a church? Um, well, first, you have to be born again. Mm. And so if you're not born again, so if you've, if you've never repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus, 
then technically, so in, in here, by the way, so some of our Presbyterian brothers and sisters would have different understandings than we have here. Uh, so they would understand, for example, that the children of uh, faithful members, that those children are members of the church. Whereas in Baptist life, we believe what the Bible, we believe the Bible teaches that only those who are regenerate, that is those who are born again, mm. can be members of the church. And so we have in our church, you know, as far as our children go, we do things like, you know, baby dedication and stuff like that, where we, where we dedicate ourselves to raise our children yeah. uh, to know Christ. But we're not saying then that our children are actually members of the church um, until such time that they trust in Christ and they follow Christ in baptism. Um, so in a Baptist church, trust in Jesus, you make that public uh, uh, through baptism, and, and then the church, uh, in a congregational sense, which we are, the congregation then would uh, affirm. So one of the things that's happening when you join a church is the congregation is saying to that individual, in as much as we can tell, this person appears to be regenerate. Mm. Um, and so, now ultimately, of course, only God knows the true condition of everyone's heart, but um, but we are called to be fruit inspectors, so to speak. And so, <laughs> and so when, when, when we receive somebody in a church membership, we are saying that in as much as we can tell, they are regenerate. That's fantastic. And so you, you use that word congregational. We'll, we'll get back to that in a second, but let, let me focus in on the other side of that. So, okay, so I have uh, trusted in Christ for salvation. I have uh, committed myself to him. I am uh, regenerate. I've been baptized. The church recognizes that. they The congregation has uh, accepted me into membership. We have covenanted together. What now? Am I am I good to go? I've got my I've got my Jesus. I've got my church. Uh, done and dusted. Well, what happens after you connect with covenant together, join a church? Well, you begin living life together with that with those people because when you join a church, you are in essence saying to them now. So your family. So so I'm your brother, mm. and you're in, and so we're family now, and we begin living life together. And none of us on this planet have arrived. Um, even the Apostle Paul said so much. He says, you know, I, I haven't attained it. Um, and so for any of us to think that we've attained it would be the ultimate in hubris um, or self-pride uh, to think that we've attained it. And so part of what we're doing when we're living together is uh, we're allowing one another to, to shape us and mold us to be more like Jesus. And so that just happens over the course of, of a lifetime as we live, as we faithfully attend the gathering and so you know when the scriptures tell us not to forsake our assembling together they're talking uh, the author of Hebrew the Hebrews there is clearly talking about the gathered assemblies not talking about small groups he's not talking about Sunday school gatherings um, and some people might say well how do you know that because small groups and Sunday school gatherings didn't exist when 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 that was what? written he was talking about the gathering of the church and so this is why if you were to make a priority of so you know do I have time I only have time to either attend Sunday school or a small group or I can attend the corporate gathering yeah. uh, the answer is always attend the corporate gathering because that's what's commanded in Scripture um, and so this is not to say that small groups are unimportant um, and so I would highly encourage you 
to prioritize those things in your life. But if your schedule is so busy that you only have time to do one thing, mm -hmm. um, make that the corporate gathering, um, because that's what we've been commanded to do in Scripture. There you go. So let's shift gears a bit and get back to that congregational word that you used a minute ago. Um, so I want to, want to give you the freedom to spend as much as little time, go into as much or as little detail as you want on this. Uh, we are Potomac Heights Baptist Church. Um, each of those words has a significant meaning. Potomac Heights, where we are at, church, we've already talked about Baptist. We live in Maryland. Names so in large name part. Is named after my wife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is why we moved here because why not have why not have a whole state named after you? That's that's right. It's, it's a shame there's not a Brian Land because then we could both live there and just have a civil war over how to spell it. Um, anyway, uh, Maryland in large part came um, out of a desire for a, a Catholic contingency of this kind of new world, this new America, and so there is a sizable Catholic population in our community. A Catholic church, take St. Mary, Star of the Sea, just down the way in Indian Head, very different structure than Baptist. So in as much as you want to, what makes us Baptist? What makes them Catholic? What, why are there so many denominations? There's so much here. You could take a, a decade. Um, but just help us think about church structure and just try to give us some points as to, to think about such things. So, with due respect to, I'm not, I'm not, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that all Christians, that, I do believe there are Catholics who are Christian, but with due respect to the Catholics, I would say they teach a false gospel as, as the church at large. And so Catholics um, belong to a hierarchical um, order of churches. And so the local priest down at Star of the Sea um, may make decisions about what day they're going to be doing, you know, doing a bazaar or something, you know, having a fundraiser, and he may make decisions like that mm -hmm. um, there, but ultimately, um, so he has a bishop he answers to, and the bishop has an archbishop, and then there's, then there's cardinals, and then there's the pope, um, who is the head of the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. um, and so that local Catholic Church is in no way autonomous, that ah. is, they don't make uh, their own, so if that priest were to um, retire or, you know, and God forbid they were to die, or, or something of that nature, the, it's, the local members of that church don't decide who their next priest is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, their next priest is assigned to them because they belong to a hierarchical um, system of government. Whereas Baptist churches, and I don't know of any exception in Baptist life to this, um, Baptist churches are autonomous, meaning that each church, so under the Lordship of Christ, each church is responsible for its own governance. Mm. And so um, nine and a half years ago when this church was looking for a pastor, um, they they formed a what's you know pastor search committee uh, that the congregation said, yes, we want a pastor search committee. And then the congregation um, interviewed a number of candidates. Ultimately, they interviewed me. They brought me in to, um, to meet the congregation to preach for them. And then the congregation voted um, to call their next pastor. And so the congregation then has the authority. And so that's one example of how the congregation has authority in calling their next pastor. Uh, every year we vote on our church budget. Um, it's not the elders mm -hmm. don't say, this is our budget. Whether you like it or not, this is our budget. Yeah. We present the budget. 
we allow for we allow for discussion on the budget and the congregation votes that says yes this was what we want for a budget or no that's not what we want, what we want for a budget uh, when we receive new members or when we have members removed because they've moved or for disciplinary reasons or what have you um, and that is a so the elders again we don't have the authority to just to say well guess who's a new member uh, the congregation has a responsibility there and and one of the reasons that's important is we want the congregation to recognize that they have an a responsibility to to keep to keep the church um, to protect the church doctrinally yeah and so as an elder in this church, I could get up there and I could preach something that's heretical or something that's not. Uh, so you and I, uh, we won't mention that on podcast, but we listened to a brief snippet of, of a pastor who was preaching something that just shouldn't be preached. Um, and so when when a pastor does that, then the congregation has a responsibility to say, no, yeah. that's incorrect. Uh, we see that, for example, in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, Paul doesn't chastise the elders of that church for teaching a different doctrine. He, ch- he chastises the congregation for exactly. allowing a different doctrine to be taught. Yeah. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, um, where we have the example of church discipline, first you go to your brother, second you go to you take two or three. Finally, the ultimate step, though, is you take it to the congregation, and yeah. the congregation ultimately then has a responsibility to remove that brother from or sister uh, from the congregation. And so... So under the Lordship of Christ, because we, we all recognize, yep. um, and every church should recognize that Christ ultimately, um, you know, Colossians 1, is the head of the church. Mm. Uh, but under his headship, then the congregation has responsibility to, uh, to, to guard the doctrine of the church, Boom. doctrine and practice of the church. There you go. And so, keeping our, our Catholic friends to the side, given the, the serious concerns we have about the, the doctrine um, that they teach, uh, within Orthodox, biblical Christian churches, the, there, there are differences. So you have your Methodist friends, you have your Presbyterian friends, um, you got your non-denominational friends, and so wanting to understand that while this is a significant issue, how churches are structured, we don't see this as a gospel issue, so we're not going to go to our, you know, PCA Presbyterian friends and say we doubt your salvation because you have um, a different church structure than we do. But no, we would say we we see the Baptist model as a more faithful biblical model. But we don't doubt the salvation of these. We would just say this is kind of you know that second tier. It's important. It's important enough that we have these denominations, but not so important that we call into question their salvation. So there's so much more there. But I want to get to one more thing before we wrap up today. We've seen what a church is, we've seen kind of why it is, how it works out. So let's talk about the health of a church. So if I'm plugged into a church and I want to think, okay, is, is this a healthy church? How can we grow in health? Or I move and, well, now I need to find a new church. How can I assess? Are there any marks, say, of what a healthy church might be? Uh well, that's funny you mentioned that. Uh, marks of a healthy church. So I, I am a big fan, and I was asked uh, nearly 10 years ago when I came here if there were any ministries which which I felt were helpful. And so there is a ministry called Nine Marks. You can find them at nine, like the number nine, marks.org um, online. And they're, the, the sole reason they exist basically is to provide healthy uh, resources or provide resources to help churches be healthy. 
put it that way. Um, and that organization started when a man named Mark Dever, actually he wrote an email to a, um, to a friend where he listed out nine marks of a healthy church. Now he didn't, it's very important, most people, they, they want to add the word the, like these are the nine marks, and, and Mark Dever is very clear, um, so I, I know Mark personally, he's very, very clear that these are not the nine marks of a church. He just felt that these were nine marks that many churches were, um, were, not, were not paying sufficient attention to, and so these are nine marks of a healthy church, and he's since added a couple um, to the nine, so you might say that they're, they're so well known as nine marks, they're right. not, they're not <laughs> going to change their name to 11 marks now. Um, and I so football divisions yeah. in college, the Big Ten has like 14 or 16 teams. Exactly. The, the, the point remains, got it. So there, are, so there are a number of marks, you know, you know biblical theology, uh, do you have a proper understanding of conversion, do you have a proper understanding of the gospel, um, do you have expository preaching, which he would say um, Mark in his book calls that the first mark, because if you don't expository preaching, meaning the, the pastor gets up, he opens the Bible, and he faithfully teaches the meaning of that passage. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have faithful teaching of the Bible, then everything else really is going, is going to fall apart. And so everything else follows faithful teaching of the Bible. Um, and so we need to faithfully teach the Bible. And so if you're, if, you, if you're looking for a church home, I would say that would be one of the, for me, that would be one of the very first things I would look at is, okay, how, how does the pastor, whoever the pastor is, whether he's young, whether he's old, whether he's black or whether he's white, makes that, those things make zero difference in my mind. Is he faithfully teaching the Word of God? Um, and does he do that on a regular basis? And so that, that's very, very important. And then there are other marks that are important as well. Uh, but, but no, that, that's, that's a helpful starting point. And then, yeah, to plug that recommendation, 9marks.org, if you want to find a good, helpful place uh, for you. Well, this has been super helpful. There is so much more that we could uh, touch on, but as is the case with all of these systematic introductions, we're just scratching the surface. So let me leave you uh, just, again, to underscore the authority that we have as Christians, as members of the church. 1 Peter 2.9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time to wrap up this series. Hope that you join us then. But for now, this has been the PHBC Pastors Podcast.